0: P-G-A Nation. We are back. And we are back with a special evening. Valentine's Day. And we are going to love, love, love our lineups. And the golfers that we're going to pick for this weekend. The Genesis Invitational. Some might call it the Tiger Woods special because the big cat is back. All the more reason for us to be in love. Uh, great tournament this week i mean they started the year with a bunch of duds a bunch of jv tournaments and then back-to-back weeks we're getting what looks to be major like fields um as loaded as a field as you're gonna see for any event this year super excited to dive in uh and we were super excited to draft with a special guest tonight but see ya what happened so
1: we got stood up on Valentine's Day, but it's not Steffi Small's fault. So some of you are, are in here, are in this chat, are watching us because you watch this show every week and we love you. Some of you are here because you wanted to see Steffi Small. So what happened with her was, well, her plane kind of got rerouted and she has just landed in Vegas and she's not going to make it to her room in time for the show. So our thought is, hey, listen, she might pop in, in the middle of this show if she actually you know, gets to her hotel in Vegas in time. The good news is um, she's going to be coming on the very next chance she can get, which is probably going to be next week. We just have to clear that with her schedule for next Tuesday night's uh, PGA Draftcast. So ladies and gentlemen who are watching, she might appear today, but she's definitely coming on to the show. She just had some travel issues. So hopefully we see her tonight, but if not, we'll probably see her next week. Those of you that are in the chat, We appreciate you being here. I see so many familiar names. So I know you're here for us for the most part. And if you are, please hit that like button. Um, But yeah, that's it. We got Listen, these four guys got stood up on Valentine's Day. That's just the reality of the situation. And there's no sugarcoating it.
0: Here we are. It's a tough pill to swallow, but we're here. (laughs) And uh, it's okay. Because you know what? With that, we have a lot of money to be made. And I am excited to get to it and start breaking it down. Spence, how you doing tonight? Well,
2: I was doing better before Steffi couldn't make it tonight, but on a positive note, or at least it's a positive note for me, the three-peat finally happened wow. after all this time. And, you know, Jason Day was meant to be on that team. He was very instrumental for everything getting done last week for me, so... I don't know what that means for the future. I've started in about the most ridiculous fashion ever. I came in last place the first three weeks. I came in first place the next three weeks. I guess that's not a bad thing to be boomer bust with it, but uh, for what it's worth, Joel, you are still winning the contest as of right now.
0: There we go. And it's all about, see, we thought about changing the name of the show to Game of Thrones. It's all about who holds the throne. And yes, I still own it, so is my throne until further notice and i have to win this week but in order to do so right gotta have the best draft so before we dive into that david how you doing tonight
3: i'm good mate i'm good super sub in for um for Steffi. definitely less attractive definitely more hairy and um <laughs> valentine's day like it's it's bad enough standing up one date, but standing up four
1: yeah in one I'm go <laughs>
3: what a heartbreaker i mean that's <laughs> That's true heartbreak on Valentine's Day. So uh, incredibly impressive, incredibly sad, but I'm um, looking forward to having Steffi on um, in the near future. But there's those digs, you know. She's been um, been swanning it up at the, the Phoenix Open and struggling to fly back into Vegas, which is having some pretty wild weather, which um, Spence can confirm. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to catching her next time and um, focus on drafting some good teams tonight.
2: Yeah, I it was snowing it. here earlier.
0: Weather was crazy. Well, as we get talk about crazy and as we dive into the details, uh Spence, you have your work card out for you this week on the course breakdown. This is a unique course breakdown for betting purposes, right? I think how we how you look at this course and how you handicap it from a golfer perspective, to me, it's one of the more unique courses um on tour, just because you know it's not the typical like find the ball striker and that's your route to success, right? There's um, some real quirks to this course that I think are critical for us being able to pick some golfers. So Spence, break it down for me. What are you looking for this week at Riviera?
2: Yeah. It's an event that yields an interesting total regarding the dispersion of scoring. It's kind of what you just talked about a second ago, Joel. There's a lot of ways that you can go about trying to find success here. We will get to some of the more vital corollary stats in a second, but the 3.2% decrease that we experience off the tee doesn't take into account the reward players have received over the years for distance. It's important to note that we saw accuracy tank to under 50% last year. That's nearly 17% off the expected baseline total of a generic check on tour. But I don't believe looking at the extremes of what this course has yielded is necessarily the best approach to find the median answer for what the test poses question-wise. I would instead highlight the 72.8% of approach shots that have come from 150 yards or over. That total is 12.1% above expectation. And the big difference in my model came when looking at strokes gained around the green. These surfaces are much larger than average. Although we received nearly an 8% decrease in GIR percentage, because of the greens' fast and firm texture, that can often be difficult to stop your ball when you're approaching out of the Kakuya rough. Uh, For anybody out there that's not familiar with that rough type, uh, we only see that twice a year here in Torrey Pines. You know, it's hard to stop it out of there. As I said, it's sticky, it's speedy greens. It's going to be awkward lies with these. It's a really big green complex, but it's also very quick with a lot of undulation to it. So I think when you add that mix of undulation, the deep bunkering around the greens experience to know where you can lay up. And then just that overall around skill set when it comes to short game and all of that. I wanted players that were good drivers of the ball. We're obviously going to need quality proximity returns from over 150 yards, but it's kind of that complete array of short game stats that I found to be most important. And, you know, that's putting from five to 10 feet. That's three putt avoidance. I I think because these greens are so large, you can putt from off the surface. So a lot of that comes in, like you're not in a bunker that is obviously, but if you're somewhere that your ball finds one of the there, I do think you're able to putt. I, I, in my opinion, That's why we've seen a guy like Hovland maybe find a little bit of success here just because it's not so much of an around the green problem as it's like you can use the flat stick in different ways to maneuver through the course. So, um, you know, there's a lot of short game metrics in my model. That's kind of the big takeaway from it. And obviously that 150 plus proximity distance is just going to be massive this week.
0: Yeah, I'll reiterate. uh, I found my creation of what you would call a model to be the most unique setup this week that I've sure. seen in a while in terms of what I'm waiting and how we're looking at it. So it makes things tricky, right? I think. I think the biggest one that jumped off for me was was Hobbit, right? A guy who, at first glance, you would think wouldn't be a course fit, but he has a great history here. So you know, catch twenty-two, and we'll, we'll kind of find out who we're looking for this week. I think, like we said, a super deep feel, super competitive pricing. So it should be able to create some unique looking lineups. And without further ado, I'm going to pull the draft board up and we'll get into it. For those of you who are new or maybe haven't seen a draft before, a quick reminder, this works like a snake draft, like a typical fantasy football draft. We go one through four, the fourth pick goes twice, and then we go back. The audience, you are drafting your team with Sia as normal. So when you're up, you make your nominations, and then Sia will pick the player based on the guys nominated. You do have to stay within a DraftKings salary, so you can't just take all the best players, draft your team strategically knowing you have to make sure you get all your guys um, within salary. Without further ado, Spence, you're on the clock. So as you guys know, when I
2: build a model, even if I go very mad scientist with it, and and I do add a lot of things together that are unique and outside the box, I get relatively, or I should say, very straightforward returns. Like it's hard for Rom, Scheffler, Rory. If those guys are in the field, They're usually number one overall for me. It's very rare for that not to be the case. We sometimes get some situations when Justin Thomas won at the Players' Championship a couple years ago. Uh, He made it it to number one in my model. There's been some weird occurrences where Patrick Cantlay's gotten to number one. Fortunately, that doesn't have as great of a success story with that. There's been a lot of miscuts with him, but there is a player this week that bucked the trend of those three big golfers. And that would be Xander Shoffley at 9,900. I love everything about him this week. Like this might be one of those situations to where if I'm building out 150 lineups, this might be as close as I get to hundred percent on a player that I play the entire year. You could say the weighted proximity might not be exactly what you want. You could say the par five scoring is a little bit lower than you would hope to see, but I ran seven categories this week. He was inside the top 10 of six of them. He's number one for weighted short game. And he's one of only two golfers that when I combined my weighted tee to green and the weighted short game that graded inside the top 20 for both of them. So, you know, that's a lot of putting that's added to the mix on that back end of it there. So if you're telling me he's one of the pristine ball strikers in this tournament and then also has the short game to take advantage of it. That sounds like a recipe of how you can win this golf tournament. So I know he's going to be popular. i going to kind of ignore that number, and I'm going to take Xander first overall.
1: Yeah, and David, I, I don't mind, as we wait for uh, Joel's pick, I, I don't mind starting my lineup in in the Xander, you know, in that 9K price range with Xander Shoffley. Um, what say you on that? I mean, can you imagine yourself forming a lineup starting at Xander and, and avoiding the big three plus Justin Thomas?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's, there's obviously the two kind of traditional routes to building your lineup, right? The stars and the scrubs or taking a more balanced approach, and if you're going that balanced approach, then starting in the 9K, maybe getting 1, one to 2 9K guys and then looking to avoid the 6s and low 7s um, completely is not a bad strategy at all. Um, we're obviously, as Dan was within my selections last week, and he was right there in contention until um, probably about 22 holes in, um, so towards the end of round three, bogey did the par five, which is kind of like losing one and a half strokes at the field. And he never re- really recovered it from there. Um, but diving into those numbers a little bit more, um, which, you know, I always like to do some post-analysis. He missed just on that back nine in his final round, missed six of um, his nine putts by 25 inches or less. So, I mean, when you're, when you're hitting the ball on the green, you're giving yourself those putts for birdie, the there are going to be those days where they just don't drop, you know, and that, that is going to happen. You can't really predict that. Um, But the approach play looked really solid and there was a massive spike in his driving accuracy as well.
1: All right. Yeah. I mean, I I like Xander this week as well. And I I like a lot of guys in the nine K range, just like everybody else does. Joel, it's on you with your first
0: pick. We got Xander and then who? All right. So I'm i I'm pretty locked in on my strategy for this week. And, you know, common for me in fields like this, I like to go bounce. I think I can get six guys. Uh, with high floors and, you know, basically take one of those studs not to win. It puts me in a great position. So one of my favorite values on the board this week is Tyrell Hatton. Uh, he's coming mm-hmm. off. His ball striking has been elite. Um, he's, he's just in really good form. He's gaining a lot of strokes off the tee even on his approach. Uh, and he's had a really good run on the DP tour. So a lot of those stats you might not see in some of the things we're looking at on DraftKings and things oh. like that. So, um I think he might get a little bit even overlooked by how good he's playing and 8,100 allows me to, a lot of flexibility moving forward.
1: David, I want to go right back to you on Terrell Hatton and get your opinion because, I mean, I think everybody who watches this show knows that um, you pay a lot of attention to the World Tour. I mean, we're going to be doing shows on the World Tour, your articles in Windaily Daily Sports, which you post in the Discord, in our Discord. Um, you have World Tour picks and articles and, of course, PGA Tour picks in articles. So that's a really great reason to sign up for Windaily Sports. But with all that said... I gotta think you love this pick, yes or no?
3: I do, and I I suspect that the fact I've dropped a few of my plays in the uh, Discord about fifteen twenty minutes ago may have influenced Joel's pick because Hatton was <laughs> uh, within those names. So great selection from Joel, and um, sneaky suspicion he may have set, had some early tip off in uh, the Win Daily Discord.
1: Interesting. Joel, can you confirm or deny that?
2: I, all I have to say is that smile looks like somebody that just got <laughs> so away with murder. over. No,
0: so I don't know. But I'm, I'm, in fairness, David, I love you. I was laughing you. that. I did not steal your pick. That was just who I wanted to take and I was not thinking about taking any of your picks. But um, I'm happy that you like him, too. I think it just makes me like him even more than I already did.
3: Yeah, look, I mean, the the stats are kind of off the the charts for for Tyrell. Um He's he's in great form and um, his short game's excellent. And I think you know, as as Ben mentioned at the beginning of the show and his course breakdown, that's going to be a real key to six years here. Um, six last week in the Phoenix Open as well. So arriving in great form and, and great history on on um, related courses too.
1: Yeah, that's a good pick. That's certainly somebody I have my eye on as well, David Smalls. It's your pick, and for those of you that are late joining us, two things: one, hit the like button, and two, oh, and go sign up for winddailysports.com It's incredibly inexpensive, so inexpensive I think I'm going to need to have a talking to uh, to Jason Mizrahi. But if if you're wondering where Steffi Smalls, who was supposed to appear on the show, she had plane problems going from Phoenix to Las Vegas. Nice life there, by the way. It goes from the WM Phoenix Open and the Super Bowl to Vegas, but there's all kinds of storms and wind and snow in Vegas, so she got rerouted. She's she's probably not going to pop in tonight although she might if the timing is right but more importantly she'll probably be on next week with us or whenever her schedule's free most likely in the next two weeks so stay tuned for that but that's why you see David's beautiful face instead of Steffi so David with all that said you got Terrell Hatton stolen from you who are you taking now
3: I do. I, look, I, I think I probably would have gotten this pick, regardless of whether Hatton was on the board or not. Um, I would have liked to have taken Hatton maybe on the way back. Um, but I would love to take Justin Thomas with my first pick, who is finally beginning to show a bit of life with his irons, which is always the key indicator for JT. His record, he is excellent. Um, the short game is on point. And um, across the four rounds, when you dive into the data, the approach play just increased, increased, increased. We saw him grinding on the range out there in Phoenix as well, trying to find something, and I think he potentially has. um, It it marks two weeks in a uh, sorry two tournaments in a row where he's gained five plus strokes on approach, which is a great indicator of his chances.
1: Yeah, it's funny because there's a lot of really smart people so far this week, and of course that now includes you, David, that have. Really been on Justin Thomas this week, and I gotta say, I think he's gonna break everybody's heart. I, I really do. It's just it's just a gut feeling I have. There's no data behind my gut feeling. The data is behind what David is saying, and if you look at the history here and you look at the the, the recent form, it does look like JT is about to become JT again and really kind of put himself in that top five conversation. For me, I, th- I think I'm going to end up avoiding him. But listen, th- that's more of a gut play than it is a uh, a, a play with the, the metrics in mind. Uh, With that said, the the audience has, at least one person has been uh, officially nominated, and it's Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland by William Neal and Edward Gale. You have nominated Victor Hovland. Now we're waiting on a second. Um, Steven says Max Homa. I think I'm just going to go, oh, did Rory get nominated? Oh, Rory got, okay, so we're going to be out of money here. No, we're okay. Okay, Victor Hovland, Rory McIlroy. Okay, I'm okay with that. Brian England confirming that. I was going to be on the Max Homa train. I like Max Homa. He'll probably get drafted by somebody else. No problem. Listen, this should be a better course fit. Spencer for Rory this week uh, rather than last week. Victor Hovland's an interesting case because we're so focused on around the green game. But just like Joel said earlier, or somebody who said it earlier, I think it was Joel, you know, this is a guy who's, I think he's had a fourth and a fifth here the last two years. So clearly, you know, it, it, he's been able to navigate this course close to the greens uh, better than most. With that said, I like both of these picks. I love the upside here. I love the price of Victor Hovland. Do you
2: like both of these guys or is there one you're staying away from, Spencer? I, I like both of them. I, I guess the one problem that I would say with Victor Hovland is just the ownership. I I always worry a little bit when Hovland or players of that sort of mold with it, start pushing 20%. Yeah,
1: that's Um, true.
2: There's a couple other guys maybe that are directly around them in, in different areas there that I might rather play than Hovland, but he's 10th overall in my model. So it's, I mean, it's hard to like find a reason to say that I massively, you know, dislike him on that, but I guess it would be an ownership concern above anything else. Like if I was playing, in MME tournaments, there might be other routes to go with it. And then uh, Rory, I mean, Rory's Rory at this point. I don't, I I think there's players in the $10,000 range that I'd rather play than Rory. Um, I mean, I guess I'll I'll keep some of that to myself right now. I think Thomas is an intriguing one, but um, I, I don't, I don't know. I have not made a decision. Like, obviously it's two top 10 players for me. I don't know if either one is going to be a mainstay of my lineups this week though.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, even though this is partly my team here, I think I'm going to be off Hoblin this week, but it's mostly with ownership in mind. I'm not, so, I'm not so sure I'm buying. Like It sounds ridiculous to say, but I'm not so sure I'm buying into the, the course history here with Victor Hoblin. I'm not saying he got lucky and that it's not uh, real, but I don't know. This is, this is another one of those where the course fit still doesn't seem perfect, but I love the price, and that's part of the reason he's super popular. Joel, real quick before we get to David's pick, just a simple yes or no on Victor Hovland.
0: Uh, I'm going to say no for the reasons you said. I think just it's – I don't think the leverage is there with the ownership. Fair enough. All
1: right. David, you've got Justin Thomas, who you love and a lot of smart people love. Who's next?
3: Yeah, it kind of it, – it does. It feels like um, Will, Will Zalator is the BMW Championship again of the whole industries on JT this week. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go grab a bit of value with mine um, – and get Wyndham-Clark with my next pick. Driving distance approach around the green game, predicted sort of towards the end of last season that um, either Wyndham-Clark um, or Aaron Wise was going to have a really, really big year. And uh, Wyndham-Clark started to show shades of that last week. And the, the approach play has really been um, been improving, which is a promising sign.
1: Welcome to the Wyndham Clark show, because if, if you've been watching this show, you know, we mentioned Wyndham Clark in a very positive light every single show, at least since the calendar year started, which I understand is, is not that long ago. But I think even in swing season, we were talking about, Joel, I know I, I feel like you were the kind of the first person to be on that Wyndham Clark train and the rest of us have not been far behind. So, you know, the, the one thing with Wyndham Clark is I just wonder if this is sustainable. I mean, it looks like it might be the approach play has just been so good with him, and I just wonder if that part's sustainable. I think you know we we know we can get hot with the putter. That the, the driving is going to be great here. I think he's a really good play at a really good price. I'm looking at the ownership now, and it's pretty low actually, surprisingly, right now. That's at least at least that's what I see. Spencer, are you seeing relatively low ownership on Wyndham Clark as
2: well? I see 11.66%. Oh, that's-
1: mine's different. Okay, fair enough. So we'll have to sit. We'll have to wait for Steven's article again. Stephen Pilardi's article. He's in the chat. I believe um, he's actually he helped uh, nominate, I believe, Roy McElroy. Oh, no, he was trying to nominate Max Homa. But the point is, he does our ownership article. That article also has picks in it. And in my estimation, listen, no like no disrespect to anybody. But that article is like, in my opinion, fundamental to you making your lineups like I, I'd almost wait for that article before you really you really lock in your lineups and also he's got some tips in there he's got some low rent plays that seem to come in every single week it's kind of uncanny it's kind of what I was doing with the secret weapon a couple of years back well Steven has taken that over and he has carried that torch way higher than myself all right speaking of carrying torches you got Terrell Hatton Joel who is your second pick
0: I'm excited how this is going to work how this has worked out for me Um, There was a guy I was contemplating with my first pick between Hatton, and he's still here, so I'm going to go ahead and take Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, And it's a lot of the same reasons why I like Hatton, right? I think he's right in that same price range as Hatton, a similar ownership, again, in good form, but more also for the reasons that we were talking about before, what might make a good course fit here. Matsuyama is going to check a lot of those boxes. I think one of the things we might not have mentioned on this show is how difficult and how important sand saves are going to be this week yeah. and hideki one of the strongest in the field and getting out of those bunkers and uh he's got a pretty good history playing here and it again goes back to now i have two guys who i feel like can both give me top tens and really compete this week under eighty five hundred, so i can really balance out the rest of my lineup.
1: i highly recommend some of you listening starting your lineup the way joel has i i love decky this week and you guys know i'm not really a decky guy it's very rare that i actually select decky I love this price. Ownership doesn't seem to be super high. I mean, if you look at the stats last week, there's a lot of stuff that you'd look at and be like, "Ooh, geez, I'm not so sure about that." Like the approach play, he he almost lost literally five strokes on approach, which is staggering. But I'm really not worried about that. I mean, yeah, of course, anything like that can happen again. But he's a monster with the short game. His approach game is usually, granted, it's been a tough run for him over the last six, seven months, but just before that losing five strokes i mean he, he's been okay with the ball striking so i think he can get hot here i think he can find some of the old hideki stuff and we know the short game and the putting can get red hot so i think at 8200 at relatively low ownership I, I just really really like this pick he's a guy that i think you can bet in the outright market and i'll put my outrights just with everybody else in win daily discord we do our first round leaders at the end of this show but we put our outrights in the win daily discord and i'll tell you if memory serves, I was on a show earlier. I'm pretty sure Decky is fifty to one to win this thing. That so I know it sounds irresponsible, but that's something I'm going to take every time. I see Decky, I see fifty to one. I'll take it every time. All right,
0: Spencer. And wait, but irresponsible? Ahead, you mean irresponsible not to take it?
1: That's what I meant. Of course. Yeah, of course. yeah irresponsible not to take it. Yeah, yeah. no thanks, because some people might not have uh Confused have gotten that, yeah. the gist of that. Okay, Spencer, you've got Xander. Clearly, your favorite guy of this tournament, or at least that's what you made it sound yeah. like, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Now you got back-to-back picks. For one, Spencer, I'm a little curious. Has any have any of your guys been stolen? Because you don't seem really upset. You're not squirming too much. Are you? Is it? Is it? You got free reign here of the guys that
2: were in your player pool in the first place. I mean, I, I would have considered Justin Thomas. I, I think that that's probably the biggest one, and and I like the Hideki pick from Joel. Like, the one thing I'll say about it is a lot of markets do not like it. And that's at least something to point out. I'm willing to be under the mindset that Hideki has top 10 equity at a price tag. That is really good at an ownership percentage. That's very nice right now. I'm willing to go the other direction with it and play Hideki. So now that Hideki is off the board and I'm not going to try to build this, I guess, in that route, God, I did not plan on doing this. And this is about as chalky as you can get to start a build. But I think I'm going to take Tony Finau and Patrick Cantley. Mm. And I'm going to figure yeah, go out ahead. the lineup from there. And I, I really like Finau a lot this week. It's kind of like when we look at the weight of proximity from 150 plus yards, he's inside the top 10. He's number one in my model for weighted scoring. I like him at these tests where he can use his short game to an advantage. I think Cantley. The frustrating thing about him, and I had this conversation with Nick on Better Golf. He was like 10% projected to be owned up until this afternoon. And for whatever reason, the Cantley number has now caught steam, and I'm seeing like 18%. That worries me, because I do believe that Cantley has some miscut potential this week. But look, it's Valentine's Day. Who's closer on tour than Xander and Patrick Cantley? I feel <laughs> like it's good vibes to throw them into a lineup together. And then Tony Finau is a friend to everybody. So this it feels like a very unison sort of team. Like we're connected. We're ready to try to go for a four-peat here. I don't know exactly how we're going to build this out at the bottom. Like we might be plucking people off the street to try to figure out this lineup to, to round it out. But wasn't a, I was not planning to do this. And I even made the comment with Nick. I think one of the dangerous things to do is to go some combination. And we can throw Homa into that mix too but three of those four to start your build because I could see a lot of people trying to go that route. And that's exactly what I've done this week, but I kind of like all three of them a lot. So it'll be a unique build to see how I can figure it out.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you, I, I like fee now quite a bit and I liked Cantley at the beginning of the week, but to your point with this ownership creeping up, I, I don't know that I'm willing to take him much anymore because he's, he's risky. I mean, I put him in the same sort of conversation as a in terms of, there's there's a lot of risk reward there certainly more risk with Hideki don't get me wrong but you know Cantley at close to 20 percent ownership that's a tough pill to swallow because I thought he'd, he'd at least be a little less owned but at that price it's hard to resist Joel let me ask you before we get to your pick um either like Tony Finau makes a lot of sense he is going to be high honestly if I if I were drafting the team audience the first two picks probably would have been Finau and Hideki that's just my guess at how I would have done that. Not that I don't like uh, our picks, but that's probably the direction I was going to go. Is Finau firmly in your player pool, or is it maybe an ownership play? You leave him out.
0: No, Finau's in. I think I'm. I'm more in on You know now that the price adjusted back to like what I feel like should be Tony Finau's price under the 10k range in that second tier. Um, he does have that winning upside. Now, if the if the ownership gets too high, like I'll come off of him because there's just so many guys up there that can that can go, but. If the ownership stays reasonable, I'll, I'll definitely be playing playing Tony.
1: All right, fair enough. And uh, David, real quick before we get to Joel's pick, Cantlay—is it a yes or no?
3: I'm completely out on Cantlay at the moment. All right, I think I'm. I agree with sign the that.
2: ownership problem. Like that's a real problem at twenty percent now, and and it's a weird pick to make when I'm not even hundred percent convinced that he's going to make my player pool. But I love the upside. I, I think he can go yeah. win this tournament and. That's unfortunately more of a betting answer than a DFS answer, but um, I kind of wanted to see how this lineup would get built out if you went this route with it.
1: Well, yeah, and Joel, it's your pick, but that's the frustrating thing about Cantley. You, you, know, you don't usually see it with Cantley in terms of see it coming. Last year was the same thing. Do you remember how frustrated people were, including myself with Patrick Cantley, It was like, oh, my God, this is a disaster. And then, boom, he'd show up. So, I mean, I think it's one of those things where with Cantley, you don't necessarily see the signs approaching. It just happens with Patrick Camley. So uh, I I like the pick. I think it's an interesting DFS pick again, though, the ownership. It's like, man, you know, you you were hoping you were getting an ownership discount on that. I'll probably end up being out on Camley, even though I liked him earlier in the week. All right, Joel, you got Hatton. You got Hideki, a very good start to your lineup. You got a lot of money to spare in my opinion. Who's next?
0: So I owe everyone one. I haven't had a withdrawal in a while. It's it's time I'm due. I need to get a withdrawal. So I'm going to, uh, you know, spare everyone the decky back problem concerns. I'm going to go ahead and take Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, I I know the risk. I know it. He's hurt. He said he's hurt. Um, But listen, he's been playing. He actually ended up getting a top thirty last week. It was was a pretty decent finish. Back to my major point: this balanced approach. He's 8300, and we know this. If he hits the ball well, the upside's there. You Matthew Fitzpatrick, healthy, can win this tournament. So. From what I think is a good course fit, which is something I can't have a lot of confidence on, he checks all those boxes. He's a guy that's going to be strong out of the, um, out of the bunkers. He's a guy that should be good with his short game. He's going to make putts if he can find a little bit of ball striking and not have any of those neck issues. I think he's going to have to lose a really good week.
1: I, I I curiously like this pick, um, David. Before your pick, I kind of want to go to you on this one because. I'm not a Matt Fitzpatrick guy, but at 8,300 with a very good course history here, it just seems like, I mean, he's getting some ownership from what I'm seeing, but it's nothing like out of control crazy. I like the value here. He's another guy I kind of put in the Patrick Cantlay sort of conversation where he hasn't really done much super recently, but could absolutely pop and finish fifth in this thing.
3: Yeah, definitely. I I mean, I was just having a wee chuckle because, uh, I mean, Joel's obviously got a, great history of wds on the uh on the draft cast and so the Matsuyama fitzpatrick back to back is like i don't know maybe maybe the anti-karma of like picking all the guys who are most (laughs) risking to wd and then nobody's gonna wd i don't know it might be a good good working theory um i i do like fitzpatrick i mean we, we saw last year what happened right got got in there with his big coach fixed the main flaw in his game, which was driving distance. Now I do think that given that the missed fairway percentage here is so high, I mean, it's in the lowest five um, t- courses on tour for fairways bound, um, that having that extra driving distance is an asset, because if you're going to be missing the fairway anyway, may as well be further and closer to the green. And I like some of his iron proximities. So, I mean, and it, it's one of those things, right? Same probably with Zalatoris this week of like some injury concerns can really put people off ownership for the exact reason. They don't want a WD, which Joel seems to have no fear for.
1: (laughs) He certainly doesn't. All right. Speaking of no fear, is it going to be a risky play here? You got Justin Thomas, you got Wyndham Clark, what you got next?
3: And I think this is probably going to be a high ownership play, but I just can't ignore the value of Alex Noren at 7,300. That's just way too cheap for um, somebody who's in great form. Look, he missed the cut last week when he was within selections, but I do have a history of being one to two weeks too early on, guys, and um, I'd rather go back to him here than, than take that risk of leaving him out. What did improve a lot was in his second round was his approach play. He was in the top uh, top eight, I believe, um, during the second round for his st- strokes gained approach and ended up coming back after a pretty indifferent first round. So um, I can put that down to diving into his his numbers a little bit um when he when he's had these three week kind of breaks off tournaments he has tended to play pretty poorly in the first tournament back and then we find something and it looks like in that second round that the numbers were pretty good both um with uh, the irons and we know he can chip and putt so for 7300 i think he's got top 20 upside
1: all right. I, I like Norn. I'm definitely playing him this week. I think he's a, a really good course fit. Good history here. Not really worried to your point, David, not really worried about the miss cut last week. I mean, he he was he was okay. You know, if you look at the metrics overall, he was he was okay. He just he just missed the cut. That happens. Um, we have our we have our two picks here. So it looks like in the audience can confirm. Oh, Zach Jeffers, thank you. See, this is the chat is, is so sophisticated now because they don't really wait for me to be like, all right, I think it's these two guys. They're like, oh, these are the two guys. So props to Zach and Jesse and Jesse, good to see you back. Chargy 65 is in here. We got Steven, of course, Courtney. I'm I'm missing some names because there's so many people in this chat. Evan, hey, what's up? But yeah, we got it. Keegan Bradley and Taylor Montgomery. So interesting here. I don't I'm again this is not a criticism. I don't think I'm going to be a Keegan guy this week. What's interesting about Taylor Montgomery is if you all recall. It might not have been on this show, but but I bet against Taylor Montgomery the last two tournaments. I haven't liked Taylor Montgomery the last two tournaments, uh, whether it's in play or a, as a full 72-hole matchup. But this is a different situation, I think, where I think his putter can really come into play. So I'm not saying I'm out or I'm in on Taylor Montgomery. I haven't made that decision. But I do think some of his ball-striking concerns aren't really going to be as big of an issue here. So, Spencer, I want to go to you, uh, and then, David, real quick – oh, excuse me, Joel, real quick on you before we get back to David's pick.
2: Is it in or out on Taylor Montgomery, Spencer? I kind of lean towards being out. And the reason mm-hmm. why I give that answer is just the proximity numbers are so bad. Yeah, until that can improve, and I don't exactly know what he is as a putter on Fast Poa. so he's sure. number one in my model when I look at all strokes game putting. he drops to nineteenth on Fast poa. If you're telling me that there's a reduction of what we're expecting from him, I worry a little bit now in the same breadth of that, that doesn't mean that he can't gain seven strokes putting in top ten this tournament. It's kind of the recipe of what he puts together and The short game is magnificent and and maybe that putter can lead him here. But I don't know. I mean, there's probably other spots that I would rather go. I don't necessarily dislike him to the point of like as much as I'm making it. But I don't I don't necessarily want him to be the first guy that goes into my lineup either.
1: So I'm taking heat because and by the way, Spencer, I kind of agree with you here. Um, Joel, do you agree with that or are you kind of on the other side? You like Taylor this week? I like
0: Taylor. I'm not going okay. to go as far as say I love him. I'm going to jam him in. But I think he'll someone that will find a small percentage of my lives.
1: Fair enough. And and so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to the audience. These aren't necessarily my guys. And now I'm all cocky, right? Because I had a really good week last week in DFS. So, like, now I think I'm amazing. Like, talk to me the, the, like the three or four or five weeks before that. And it was like, it, it wasn't great. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm building some momentum. But this isn't a bad tournament lineup in my opinion, although it's, a, it's got a little it's got a little chalk to it, but we'll see. We've got um, seven and change left for our last two picks. So let's be creative here. Uh, David, it's on you. You got Alex Thorne, who's next?
3: Yeah, so I'm gonna go um, back to a familiar familiar play of late, which is Johnny Vegas who just continues to get disrespected. Um, and I'm not sure what it's gonna take other than like a win. To, um, to get his price to change because 6,900 is an absolute bargain.
1: Yeah, we were – this Winn Daily team was on Vegas last week. I hope some of the people that were in our Discord were on him as well. Uh, you know, I, I hadn't really looked at him, David, for this particular tournament. Is there anything – obviously, we know what his strengths are, and we know since the shoulder surgery he's been pretty good. Uh, is there anything in particular that jumped out to you o- other than just the sheer value of him being in the six K range and the ball striking has been good. Well, like what else is jumping out to you with Vegas?
3: I mean, he's got plenty of driving distance off the tee and um, the approach that's the around the green games and really good sp- um, space as well. I mean, he's coming off the 25th at Torrey Pines and a 23rd and elevated event at Phoenix last week, um, arriving yeah. in a spot where um, you know, he's he's had some history. He's got a 15th year before um, and a, 12th, I believe as well. Um, so he's he's got decent history here before the uh, the planned surgery. And I, again, I think it's just a case of people aren't really paying attention to him because it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, but he's quietly having a pretty good return from um, his planned surgery towards the end of last year.
1: Uh, so back nine bets, otherwise known as model maniac, otherwise known as byron how many names do you need by the way he says joel's hay fever is 10 out of 10 with all those flowers that's a reference to me throwing flowers to joel because i love his team so much watch out for that balanced build this week everybody i'm just telling you so joel you got the balanced build are you staying balanced or are you veering in one direction or the other with your fourth pick
0: well clearly sia is good at what he does in analyzing golf tournaments because he knows a good team when he sees one uh with that being said um i'm gonna be a, t- a strategic pick here there's a guy i really want and i'm gonna wait because i don't think spencer can afford him and if he takes him somehow and goes bare minimum with the last two picks and i'm just gonna be really upset but i don't think he could afford him so i'm gonna wait on him and i'm gonna start with see who can um see what playing great just great form you're getting him under 8k um a lot to like and like i said it keeps on my th- keeps on my balance theme I think I can get six guys that I don't have to deep down and kind of roll the dice on. Uh, I am going to need, by taking this approach, I'm going to need one of these guys to come up and have a showing and, and win the tournament. But if I can do that, I think this balance approach makes me, to make the, the, my floor so high can make this team very dangerous.
1: All right, Spencer, I know it's, you got back-to-back picks, but we haven't heard from you in a couple picks. I'm curious what you think about Siwoo Kim because this is another guy that I'm really on the fence on this week.
2: Like the core, I think the thing is with Siwoo Kim, and this is one of the things I've said throughout the week. If somebody's going to win this tournament, it has to and I'm talking about a player that's not near the top of the board. Like, like let's remove anybody who's 40 to one or better. It has to be somebody with pedigree. It has to be somebody like a, a Shane Lowry, a Tommy Fleetwood, a Siwoo Kim. You know, Siwoo Kim won the players' championship, Lowry won the open championship, Fleetwood has won over in Europe. Um, you can make the same argument about Keegan Bradley winning a major. There's only so many golfers. Once we drop down into the $7,000 range that I actually think would possess actual win equity. I guess the other name that I'll throw out there would be like a saw hit the gala, just because we don't know what he is at this point. And the upside seems to be very high for him, but Look, I don't have a problem with the Siwoo Kim pick. And to be honest, I don't have a problem with any pick that Joel's made so far. I think it's a unique build that he has going. Um, All these guys are kind of underappreciated for what they provide. Like the Fitzpatrick Hideki thing is too fitting for what Joel would put into a lineup. But I also love it. I don't think there's a lot of people that are going to do it. And like that feels like a GPP winning lineup to me with those two together.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll say that what I'm seeing in that upper 7K range is that the, there's low ownership kind of across the board. The, the low 8K range, you, you see some ownership, which makes sense. But that high 7K range, other than Taylor Montgomery at 7,600, who I'm just realizing has got some ownership from what I'm seeing. Good job, audience. Uh, but no, I'm kidding, of course. But yeah, no, I, I guess I agree on Siwu Kim. Again, on the fence there, I don't think he's going to make it into my lineup. Spencer, you've got three heavy hitters with your first three picks. So you got two picks to make. Who's it going to be?
2: I wanted to take the Gala really badly, and I don't know how to afford him and figure out a lineup the way that I want it to be. Um, I don't know if I can afford anybody that's much more expensive than that. I'm going to try to play a little safety right now with two guys that I am hoping can get me a may cut. I'm hoping they can get me top 30 or 40 finishes. There's a lot of things in my model that likes the trajectory that they're showing. Uh, The first one is a golfer that I was on last week that burned me. That would be JT Poston. I'm willing to go back to him this week. And I don't know if I've ever done this in five years of being in the space of taking this golfer. I am going to close my eyes and I'm going to take Bo Hostler, And I am going to hope that some of what we have seen from him recently of the back-to-back top 15 finishes, plus the two straight top 50 results at this tournament, can translate. We know he's a great putter. Um, he's never going to look great from a modeling perspective, but he's also cracking the top 50 for me, which I can't tell you the last time that's happened when I've run the model the way that I do. So I'm hoping I can get two made cuts out of them and then kind of just have the other three guys lead me. One thing I noticed when
1: I was looking at matchups, Bohasa really jumped out at me, Spencer. And I know you just recorded the better golf podcast with Nick Bretwish, which everybody should already be subscribed to i imagine everybody is because it's an amazing show but i saw him as a favorite in a couple matchups where i was like a pretty heavy favorite where i was like all right that's interesting i would not have if you had, if you had, if i had to guess the number with that particular matchup i would have thought he was like plus 100 instead he was like minus
2: 130 um is that what you're seeing across markets on bo hustler that's exactly what i'm seeing and that's one of the things that pushed me in this direction and uh, truth be known i, I would have liked alex norin like that would have been a much more preferred route for how I would have built this team. When David took that, it kind of put me in a position here where I have to figure it out with somebody else that I thought had some safety to them. But yeah, I mean, I see a minus 140 against Woodland. I see a minus 135 against Yama. That means something to me when my model kind of likes them more than it usually does also.
1: And Jesse O'Shea, who, again, we haven't – I don't remember seeing Jesse in a while. Um, So thank you so much for coming back to the show. He says, Bo Hosler, California kid. So that's certainly uh, likely going to help as well. Um, David, real quick, before we get to Joel's fifth pick, JT Poston, in or out?
3: Um, I think that JT Poston – possibly needs a shorter track than than what we're going to find here i think he prefers those shorter courses and maybe something a bit more lower scoring as well like i think we're going to look at like a winning title around the 14 under mark um so the the bow horse the one's really interesting for me because I, he's the the perfect example of as i said earlier in the show of me being a week or two too early on a guy so we he was in my selections at the american express in the farmers insurance open where he finished 50th missed the cut and then his next two starts he's gone 11th and 14th so <laughs> a classic example of uh, me being two to three tournaments too early on someone because uh, that does tend to happen a little bit of i see the metrics improving and I'm, i know that these are going on an upward trajectory and, and Hostler's kind of the epitome of that
1: yeah and they, they, there's a larger point there right so there's a lot of times listen i know every course is different and therefore every course fit is different but if, if you like the trajectory of somebody, and please hear this, I, I feel like this is kind of in one ear, out the other for a lot of people. If you like the trajectory of somebody and they burn you one tournament, you, you kind of have to play him again because your reach, your reach, granted, it can be course specific at times, but your research led you somewhere and you can't let two rounds, because that's usually what it is, you can't let two rounds tell, tell you that your research is completely wrong you got to give it at maybe two tournaments, maybe three tournaments. In David's case, it, he would have needed to go to him for three tournaments before that payoff came there. But it would have come, and it would have come for a fourth tournament as well. So don't like believe in your research. And the sample size of one tournament, or in some cases just two rounds, is a garbage sample size. So you have to believe in your research and allow that sample size to grow and grow and grow over two or three tournaments at the very least. Joel, you got four picks, very balanced lineup. I'm very curious to see how you finish this
0: one. Who's your fifth pick? i'm glad he lasted to me another california guy max homa
3: that's
0: almost playing great uh he won this tournament two years ago i the way he's playing now i see no reason why he can't go back and win it again uh and i still get him under 10k where allows this lineup to remain pretty balanced i don't have to dip into the 6k range even with my last pick
1: yeah i i love max homa um spencer i'm gonna go to you on this one um, I'm definitely going to have Max Homa in a lot of my lineups uh, for a lot of the reasons Joel stated. Love the history here. Love that it's in California. Um, how are you
2: feeling about Max Homa this week? So if my player pool ended up being Xander, Finau, Cantley, I don't think it would be able to have Max Homa also included in that mix. And I'm talking about if I'm building out a bunch of lineups. I think there's just too much ownership. I'd probably have to make a decision between that. And I think that's where Cantley and Homa are going to be interchangeable for anybody, and it might even be interchangeable. I, I could reach this point tomorrow where I wish I would have taken Homa instead of Cantley. I think that's a very possible scenario. And when I alluded to Xander being one of two players that ranked in the top 20, when it came to T to green plus the weighted short game, Max Homa was the second player there. And my model absolutely loves him this week. Uh, he is a top three player for me with the way that I ran it. And that's the highest I've probably ever seen Homa before. So like, once again, there's really nothing wrong with what, how Joel has built this so far. He has a very popular guy in Homa, and then he has found a way to put an under the radar Fitzpatrick and under the radar Matsuyama Hatton is not going to carry ownership. Siwoo Kim is kind of in the middle. It's like the perfect build of, of really to try to get the most out of it.
1: With the exception of the two pending withdrawals, Hideki Matsuyama <laughs> and Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, and Joel, you did that to them. They didn't do it. So let's, I, let's, be, I, clear I let's awesome. be clear. I apologize in advance. Let's be clear. I'll tell you right now, Um, before we get to David's pick, I'm going to be starting some of my single entry lineups with Xander and Max Homa, just so everybody knows. That, that's going to be a starting point for a lot of my lineups. I mean, not that I do a ton of lineups, but let's say I'm building out like six to eight different tournament lineups. I would say at least two to three of them are going to be Max Homa Xander starts. So maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's, you know, 30, 30 you percent know, of my lineups are going to start with that specific build. Uh, David, you just went to Vegas. Speaking of Vegas, if, if you all are looking for Steffi Smalls, well, honorary Vegas pick. From David, but uh she's gonna be joining us soon. Not not tonight, most likely, but she'll be on another show. She had some trouble going from Phoenix uh to Vegas and uh plane trouble. That's her excuse for ditching us on Valentine's Day. But we still get to make lineups, so not all is lost. David, who's your fifth pick?
3: Yeah, so I mean it's kind of an interesting spot here. Um see who kind of can get stolen off me as Ivan's alluded to in the chat, I'm now 100% convinced that Joel <laughs> has been in the Wind Daily Discord and read all of the tips. Um, that, that line he spun before, that, the cheeky grin said it all really, didn't it? Um, so now I'm 100% convinced of that. And um, there's, there's two routes I can kind of go here. And I and I'll, I guess I'll give the names because I don't think either any of the other players are going to go this route. Is I could have gone a Sheffler JJ Spawn here potentially for my last two picks would have been an interesting route to go. There's there's a lot of links between TPC San Antonio and this course, especially around the green. JJ Sporn obviously won the TPC at, at TPC San Antonio with the Villarreal Texas Open, um, and he played very well the the Masters as well. And finished um, 23rd, which is correlated to to Rivera. The the round I'm going to go instead is something a little bit more balanced. I think because I I just think that this rounds up the the lineup a little bit stronger and i'll go um sam burns who feels like he's potentially getting missed a little bit this week
1: yeah i think that's true in fact sam burns was one of the nominees for uh, one of our first picks when we picked victor hoblin roy mcelroy i'll tell you that jj spawn pick is really interesting which we can get to maybe another time but i do want to touch on it because his history here is terrible and he's got he's coming off a couple of missed cuts which is why he's at like three percent ownership I think he's really sneaky. First of all, you can just throw away the missed cuts from before. He's a completely different golfer now. First of all, he went through that stretch with the health issues for for about three years, I think, which really kind of derailed him. But also five, six years ago, J.J. Spahn was effectively like an outlaw tour talent. You know what I mean? mean, He actually played in the outlaw tour when COVID hit, which was really interesting, and didn't even really finish well there. But he's really recovered. I think he's a really clever tournament play. But uh, anyway, we have nominations to go. And we already have some of them in. It uh, looks like Lucas Herbert, K.H. Lee, Tom Kim. Can we afford Tom Kim? Yeah, probably. Uh, Taylor Moore, Adam Scott, oh, Lucas Herbert. Okay, so Courtney uh, is going to be the second on Lucas Herbert, which leaves us how much? So Lucas Herbert is, he is 7200 So that leaves us a decent amount. It leaves us 8100 So we need nominations for somebody that's 8100 or less, of course. So we'll take Terrell Hatton. Just kidding. Um, There's a guy I really like. Okay, Justin Rose will work. Scott will work too. I'd love to second. You know what? I'm going to second Byron's Scott. Oh, Scott already already got nominated. Okay, well, let's take Adam Scott. So we know about Adam Scott's history here, and I don't think we necessarily need to go over that. I think the recent forum is pretty good with Adam Scott. The one I'm more curious about is Lucas Herbert. So... (laughs) Spencer, I want to go to you. How is Lucas Herbert grading out? And are you in or out on Adam
2: Scott? I would say Lucas Herbert's probably more of a David answer. Like he just never grades well for me. I'd be curious to hear what David has to say about it. I do know that he is a favorite in a lot of his head-to-head matchups on offshore books. That would mean something to me, but I'll let you answer that, David.
3: Yeah, I mean... Lucas Hubert was in the selections last week, so if we're talking about my selections being uh, one to two tournaments too early, then it's a great play. Um, Herbert kind of profiles a lot like Bo Hosler, driving distance and then great around the green play. Um, and and you're looking for the irons potentially spike. Wasn't the result that we wanted from him last week, and and he lost a little bit of it the irons. But do bear in mind, I mean, he'd, he'd come across from Saudi Arabia to to Phoenix, which is you know potentially. The furthest that you could fly um, around the world in in one single distance. So you know, maybe a bit of jet lag, you could put it down to. Um, other than that, he's having a great season. I've you know, he's twenty seven years old. I, I think Lucas Eber's got a big virtue about him. He's gonna he's gonna surprise some people with some big tournaments eventually, and you know, maybe here. Yeah.
1: Fair enough. All right, and uh, Spencer Adam Scott in or out? I mm-hmm. um, love the profile of Adam Scott.
2: Absolutely hate the ownership.
1: Yeah. Fair enough on that. Okay, David, you've got one more pick to make after Sam Burns. Who's it going to be?
3: Yeah, so as I said, foregoing Scheffler and JJ Spawn allowed me to go Burns and Zalatoris, which I just think just feels a bit safer in terms of going those two players, as safe as Zalatoris can be. I'm going to discount last week. Uh, sorry last tournament that we swam at the farmer's insurance and put down the fact that we've had some extra time from here that was an extremely windy tournament we know that he's obviously had the back injury towards the end of last year um but he's one of the best approach players in the game and if that's a key statistic around here as well as links to the masters which we know how's a plays around there um you know I'm, I'm happy to take the risk of what i suspect is probably going to be um, some depressed overship
1: yeah, Zalatoris is an interesting play. Joel, in or out on Zalatoris?
0: I'm out because I'm just scared of the
1: withdrawal. <laughs> Which- you, of all people. That's amazing. <laughs> Will Zalatoris is going to look as spry as ever. It's
3: terrifying. It's terrifying of Joel's
1: team. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, so let's move on, Joel. It's your pick. So you, you got Max Homa. I mean, I again, love this team. Who's, who's going to round it out? I mean, I, I'm going to play this team. I, I'll tell everybody right now. I'm playing this team somewhere.
0: So I'm uh, I'm down to two guys I'm deciding between. I'm a, I'll walk you through my thought box. It's between Seamus Power and Adam Hadwin. Um, I think they're all, both pretty close. You know, in a big tournament, I think the better strategic play would probably go with Power because he's taking very little ownership. And I do think he could be a course fit. He's playing so well right now. His form is so good for someone being pretty much overlooked. But I'm going to take Adam Hadwin because he's also playing really well. And he's actually done it on this course before. And I think that's what's putting me over the edge with him in that he's had a lot of success here. And kind of marrying that form that he has right now with his past success I think makes him a really good fit for this week.
2: See, if you're going to build this lineup and you're going to enter it, and I, I like the Adam Hadwin pick, by the way. like I think that that was probably the correct route to go between him and Sheamus. I'd also make one of those with Sahit Tagala.
0: Yeah. I enough. really
2: like that build.
0: He was the other guy. I was going to almost say three guys. I was deciding between it was the guy was the third, but I decided just to go with it.
2: I like the Hadwin pick. I mean, he's probably safer if you want to call it that. And I think the Gala might have more upside, which kind of intrigues me when we're talking GPPs. But uh, I, I like your lineup a lot. There's really not much to pick apart with it. David,
1: you got to You got to tell us what, what you're laughing at
3: i mean this. Just find you someone to wait the <laughs> and <look> to <laughs> so good. The chat here is just always great every week. Zach, that's, you're the best. that's my winner of comment of the week.
1: So <laughs> All of you are the best, actually. Uh, but I'll tell you, Zach, uh, my Valentine is Joel's lineup. It's Terrell Haddon. It's Hideki. It's Matt Fitzpatrick. It's Siwoo Kim. It's Max Homan. It's Adam Hadwin. I mean, it truly is. So, Joel, thank you for giving me that. Um, six Valentines for me, a, a lineup that is going to uh take down all kinds of tournaments. I really like the balance build, in all honesty. I, I, I like a lot of these builds. Uh, Spencer, yours is a team I like, in spite of the fact that you know I might end up not being on Cantley
2: and JT Post, and we'll
1: see how that plays out. But you got one more pick to make.
2: I, I think an interesting thing to do with Cantley, if you didn't want to play him either, is and because he didn't get picked. Uh, Sun JM has upside. Sun JM reminds yeah. me of Joaquin Neiman of last year, where the course history might not have been what you wanted, and a lot of people were off of him. But amazing weighted tee to green player, kind of the same trajectory I'm looking for in that regard. So um, I have no problem if you want to like exchange Can'tley for Sungjae and go that route with it. I guess when I look at how I want to build the end of this team, to me it comes down to a-, a lot of players. I guess I'll just name them all. So Scott Stallings would be intriguing. Uh, Thomas Dietree. Cameron Davis burns me more than any player in the world. I don't know if I want to ruin this build. Like he probably has the best upside in my model of anybody, but probably has the most miscut potential. Hayden Buckley is intriguing. Patrick Rogers course history is magnificent. He grades inside the top 35 of my model. I don't know if I want a nine, 10% own Patrick Rogers to pair with the guys that I have. I don't know if that's necessarily the best build. Um, Ugh, I don't. I don't love this. I, I'm gonna go with Thomas Dietrich and try to play a little safety at the bottom of this build here.
1: All right, uh, another guy, David. I kind of want to bounce that right back off of you before we get into our first round leaders. How are you feeling about Dietrich this week?
3: He he's he spiked sw- he for me because his approach play and his driving actually both went up in a big way last time um, that we saw him at the Pebble Beach. That's always a big positive for me when I'm looking at guys who might be a flyer. I just I always struggle with Dietrich because he's never got across the line and just having that that clutch factor to actually finish a tournament, even on the D P World Tour, we was kind of like it was like the Will's allatorus of the DP World Tour for a long time of just constantly finishing in the top five, but never actually getting the win done. So I mean, the the difference here in this circumstance, I guess, for Spence is he doesn't need Dietrich to win. He needs Dietrich to kind of like top twenty. Um, and then the rest of the build build is golden.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think that's a really good build ultimately. So, yeah, Joel, that, that, that's it. Do we get to the fun stuff now? How do we that's do
0: this? That's it. Well, don't forget, hit the like button. Give us a follow before we wrap up this draft. We're going to post a lot on Twitter. I usually say let us know what team you like both, but we already know the answer to that. Let's move on. We already have a winner for tonight. So, Follow us. And if you go into the Discord and sign up with Windale. you will get our outright basketball for tonight. We're going to leave you with our first round leaders, which is our staple. Um, we're going to hit one this week. I have a feeling. I feel good about it. We'll start with you, David. Who are you looking at in the first round leader market?
3: Can you come back to me? Give me five minutes. Can you do that?
0: that can be arranged. Yep. That can be arranged. Spence, how about you? <laughs>
2: Well,, <laughs> this is not necessarily the best answer to give after that, but I am gonna drop my plays in the discord. I, I'm not meaning to do this every single week. It's I want like it's very important to me that when I give an official play, like the plate is like it's that's my play for the weekend. I don't want to say something on here that I go back on at some point. So drop in the discord. I will have all those selections in there uh, either tonight or tomorrow morning. I guess I will flip the script and do what I did last week based off of that. I bet Xander Shawfley at 19 to one. That was on bet three, six, five in the enhanced market. I also grabbed Patrick Cantlay at 30 to one before that number dropped. Anything above 24 to one was value for me. And that is my card this week in the outright market.
0: I like it. I, I have a few home run long shots from the first time leader market this week, which I'm excited about so I'll run through them. Um, my first one's KHL at ninety to one. Uh, I like Taylor Moore at ninety to one. He's been playing great. Someone I really wanted to have, kind of on my card. Um, Tommy Fleetwood at ninety yeah. to one and Alex Norin at eighty to one. I like those
2: plays. I like pretty. I think I like every single one. Like they're all on my short list of options that I am considering.
0: There we have it. How about you, David? we able to round out your player, your first round leader pool yet?
3: Yeah, we're good. Hey, um I, I like that Tommy Fleetwood play as well. I was extremely close on him this week. I'm kind of was in between Norrin Fleetwood, Power um, for for my final pick into the selections this week. So, so I do like that for one round there for sure. Um, I, I I'm leaning towards the PM this um, this time for the first round leaders. Reason being is it's just looking like brutally cold in the morning. Um, there that first day in, um, in LA, like, I mean, four degrees Celsius, which, you know, you guys can translate to Fahrenheit. Is, um, it's very, very cold. So um, I'm thinking afternoon. I understand there's a risk with the Poana Greens. They do get worn. It does get a little bit bumpy in the afternoon, so I appreciate that side of it as well. I just think it's going to be so brutally cold in the morning, and the wind looks to die down in the afternoon as well, that you could perhaps see this flip here a little bit. Um, so I am going with Tyrrell Hatton, 45-1, to Justin Thomas, 25s, Cebu Kim, 66s, Seamus Powell, at 70s, and JJ Spawn at 100s.
0: I love it. I love it. And now, Sia, I feel like you are due to hit probably two this week, not just one, but two. Who are you looking at?
1: Yeah, it might be three this week. I'm not not 100% sure. Yeah, it's going to be somewhere between two and three. By the way, Scott Holdridge has entered the chat. Scott, how are you? Kind, sir. Okay, so I've got a couple afternoon guys, a couple morning guys. I had, on a different show, I gave out, I believe six, but I didn't know that when I gave them out, I didn't know the tea times in that moment. So, what I'm going to do is I actually have six, but I'm only going to give out four because I think I think two of them I'm actually going to change. So I'll give out four and I'll give out the, the next two in the Wind Daily Discord tomorrow. So uh, along with a few of the outrights that I like, uh, let's start with Max Homa at 30, uh, 35 to one. We'll go to Ricky Fowler, who I really wanted to draft on our team, by the way, at 60 to one. We'll go Wyndham Clark at 70 to one. Tommy Fleetwood at 80 to one. Now, that's four right there. I'm going to give a fifth. So I went Homa. Ricky Fowler, Wyndham Clark, Tommy Fleetwood, who Joel, I think you were on Tommy as well, endorsed by David as well, but and this guy's going out in the afternoon, I believe. The guy who's going to be your easy button first round leader, the first round leader at the end of the Genesis Invitational. It's none other. This is this is forty eight hours ahead of time, folks. It's none other than at fifty five to one. Hideki
0: Matsuyama. You're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. It's an investment. It's that easy. It's that easy, folks. So just in case you forgot, this is a mortgage bet. So that means every dollar you have, mortgage your home, refi, get a loan, put it all on the decky, first round leader, then you have 50 homes. It's that easy. And don't, it's really, well,
1: don't forget, it's not just every dollar you have. It's every dollar you can get, which means you could steal money or you could just sell what you have. I've got, I'm looking at an iPad. I've got this water bottle that might be worth, Fifty cents, like it it, it adds you have up. a lot of Look nice in pictures in the background. Yes, those are that Magic Johnson, those two Magic Johnson Larry Bird ones, those are autographed. Don't Your get I, retirement money that should be on this bet. I'm sure. selling these tonight and I'm going to get that money and I'll buy them back. I can buy like five of those once I once I hit the first round leader.
0: Easy. easy. It's just math. It's math. You actually you're probably gonna end up buying Tiger Woods after this <laughs> because you'll have more money than him. Because that's how easy it's gonna be. So that's right. Um it's that simple. Uh, Tiger's back. It's going to be fun. We get to see the big cat. Uh, probably not going to play him in DFS or bet on him because he's definitely not healthy. But it's fun to watch him either way. Good luck this week. See you. Did I forget anything? Um, Spencer, did I forget anything? Uh,
2: well, I want to say Jason Day is going to win, but I'm not going to make that prediction this week. I'm going to probably be off of Jason Day, so I just want to throw that out there.
1: Wow. wow. He's Whoa. striking. I'll say this. He's striking it really well. But one thing I noticed, I talked to Greg Ducharm about this, or he brought it to my attention. His putting on this
2: track has been horrific. Very, very interesting, right? He's been very bad. Be- and you would think that he'd be good out here, like the Kakuya grass uh, from like, that's an Australian thing. You think he'd be able to play out of that. And you would think he'd putt well and have a good around the green game. He's been a disaster. And like my biggest concern with him is that he's 13, 14, 15%. Look, I I, I don't know. My model likes him fine. I just have some concerns on the back end. Just going to throw that out there. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he wins the tournament. But this is going to be the one week that I'm off of him.
1: Yeah. And my model, sports.